welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Lego Movie 2, the second part, and I'm happy to be joined by The Rewind's animation correspondent, Joe Morgan. Joe, thanks for joining me. Uh, Happy to be here, yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited to talk about The Lego Movie 2, the second part. It's the sequel to 2014's The Lego Movie, which was written and directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who have are obviously pretty well known at this point for doing a bunch of different things. This one they wrote, but it's directed by a guy named uh, Mike Mitchell. I'm happy to be joined by Joe because I, it was kind of funny. I remember talking to Joe, Joe. I remember we talked around the time that the first Lego Movie came out, and uh, I don't think you like thought it was bad, but you weren't quite as high on it as the general public, and it was like one of my 10 favorite movies of 2014, so thought it'd be kind of fun to have you uh, join me for this one. Uh, the Lego Movie 2 picks up also about like five or six years later after the events of the first movie where uh, our main character, Emmett, who is voiced by Chris Pratt, is now still living in like kind of the same area, but it's turned into Apocalypseburg. And uh, he is – I don't know. It gets kind of weird from the beginning, Joe, which is I, I think one of, my, my, one of my bigger gripes with this movie, which I, I'll, I'll say from the outright that I, I didn't like strongly dislike, but I didn't like it as much as the first one. But it's just like kind of like – it's kind of weird where like a movie decides like seemingly almost like in a way like kind of pick up where – well, it doesn't like exactly pick up where it left off. But like it uh, – the last battle scene almost kind of makes it seem like it does. And – the or the the initial battle scene, but at the same time they jump across to five years later where they're living in a bit of like a post apocalyptic world and what like I said, it's Apocalypseburg. And then this other out of nowhere, this Queen uh Watervina, Wanabi, uh she wants she sends her general Sweet Mayhem to take Batman because she wants to marry him and all of a sudden just steals all the other characters for some reason. And then we're off. Uh, and uh, a lot of different things ensue. We get uh, we, we uh, Chris Pratt's Emmett gets a visit from another character voiced by Chris Pratt named Rex Dangervest, who I'm sure we'll talk about because it's one of the more meta aspects of this film. <laughs> and uh, this other world led by uh, the general uh or sorry gosh i, I, I can't get they keep getting these characters confused. I can say it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's queen uh when, when nabi whatever, like whatever a wannabe whatever whatever a wannabe yeah so it seemed like they they, they, they they cared about they cared about as much about the names as i seem to have about remembering the names <laughs> but uh uh, you kind of learn more about their motivations throughout the film but there's still obviously a whole rescue effort and at the same time we're back in the uh, live action world too where the same young boy character who was uh, kind of had a conflict with his dad played by Will Ferrell at the end is now a little older and he's having his own ongoing conflict with his sister who wants to play Legos with him and that kind of parallels what's going on in our animated Lego world that was a kind of a sloppy uh, introduction to this movie, but I mean, like I said, I think the first half takes a while to get going, but that's just kind of my initial take, is that I, I did think I liked the movie a little bit overall, nowhere near as much as Lego Movie. Uh, Joe, uh, what, what were your kind of expectations coming into this, and uh, given that you were like, just slightly cooler on the original Lego Movie than most people, and did you take, did you did, did it surprise you in any way? Did you get more out of it than you expected to? Where did you ultimately come down on the Lego Movie 2, the second part? Yeah, so I mean, ultimately, it kind of—I mean, it—it it very much delivered on the type of movie that the first one was, and that it's kind of very manic and all over the place, and there's so much to look at. Yeah, you as know? you could tell by me trying to explain what happened, and that, that was like the worst <laughs> intro I've ever done to a podcast. Uh, no. Yeah, you know, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was—it was a fun time. Um, you know, it was really funny. There's a lot to look at. I'm sure if you go back and watch it again, there's going to be things that you didn't even see the first time that you're going to get kicked out of. So, I mean, 
I will, yeah, because I will say that these definitely lend themselves to rewatchability because I actually, to kind of talk about this, because um, I went back and rewatched the first Lego movie as well, and there are elements in it that I was just like, oh, wow, like, I mean, <laughs> like get that the first time around. So We should I say, mean, you're, yeah. you're like a big Phil Lord and Chris Miller guy. It's just that you weren't huge on Lego movie. I don't remember when we talked about Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs, but I know you're like a big fan of that movie. And uh, yeah. so, like, what what is it about their sensibilities that maybe like didn't rewatching Lego movie? Did you like have a little more respect for it on the second watch than you did from like the last watch you had? And uh, as far as what they're trying to do with these movies? Yeah, I couldn't quite remember why I was a little cooler on it last time. I don't know if it, I don't, I don't know if it's a situation of it being overhyped for me and then watching it and right. not loving it as much as the initial expectation. And I, I guess it's just, it's a little bit more manic and chaotic than some of their other stuff. If that makes sense, because there's just, mm-hmm. again, there's so much going on, which kind of, you know, speaks to the spirit of Lego with there being. Well, they're trying to do know, all the fun stuff you would want for like a kid for like that to still enjoy an animated film, like mm-hmm. for like a, someone that's like well below our age range. But they're trying to stuff in all the other stuff that the people our age are going to like think super clever, too. And that, that lends itself to that manic nature. Yeah. And I think that was the thing. So, like, I mean, and this was more the same. And like, I definitely do prefer the original better. I just uh, like. I think one of my first issues, and it's the thing that you've spoken on already, was just the whole time in Apocalypse Bird, the whole time I was just like, all right. What are we doing here? Like, when's the movie starting? Like, like I was thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, they're here forever. And oh I my guess, gosh, well, well, much talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, I want to back up for one second into like a big picture idea because uh, one movie that we'll probably be talking about later this year is is Toy Story 4. And, you know, I think everyone, like general consensus, you can't find many people at all to say a bad thing about Toy Story 3. And I mean, at that point, though, it had, when that one came out, it had been 10 years since the second one. And everyone's like, man, like, you know, it's a big risk to revisit something like this. But they obviously took their time and uh, and, made, and, they obvi- and it obviously paid off like it went really well. And here it's like, I mean, just in the with how how quickly sequels get turned around. I mean, it seemed like five years was actually like that showed some uh, restraint and some care must have gone into this to like take that long to then make the sequel because the first one was a big success. I kind of felt like at the same time that like, man, like I would have thought they would have like had a much more clear vision right from the outset for what the movie would be where, where, and I thought the, cause I thought this, that first part lacked a lot of direction. And then at the same time, it's like, man, they took all this time that five years, which is a lot in, in these days to think about it. And they really kind of came up with something that was like a slightly different version of toy story three in a way. Uh, you know what I mean? Where it's like all these all these toys are just worried about what's going to happen now that they're not getting used anymore. Um, and it's like, man, I, I, I had a little more faith they would come up with something a little more original, even if it's obviously not the same thing as Story Story 3. But it's like, man, it's after it got past that first part, which was like, what the hell is going on here? It's like, I get it. They're not playing with the toys anymore as much. Maybe that's why it's kind of like this. But it, it still kind of turns into like a similar story. And it's like... It obviously has that Phil Lord, Chris Miller vibe to it, but at the same time, it's like I, I feel like I've seen a lot of these beats before in another movie. Yeah, and the one thing I'll say about you know, and full disclosure, full on uh, Toy Story and Pixar stand here, but yeah. um, I, I will say the one thing about the passage of time that benefited Toy Story three was that um, the gap in years was um, like it, in terms in terms of it being a narrative vehicle, like it made a lot more sense. Just Andy being like the difference between nine and 17 and going off to college. And that's kind of a natural time to give up childish things. Whereas this one, the five year gap kind of felt like, well, yeah, it's been five years, but I mean, 
their you know siblings still argue over toys regardless if it's been three five seven nine years uh, yeah. you know and so. i and I, I guess this is i mean I, I know we still haven't really even talked about the plot a lot about this movie but another thing i was thinking about in the terms of just like the ages of the kids and all that and that why it works more for toy story 3 it's like of course someone might give their toys away when they go to college and here it's like i mean one of my bigger problems with the movie though is i didn't know if it really like it really tied the the live action section of the story to the uh, to the Lego s- section of the story quite as well, and is with as clear of a, a through line as the first one did. Because I get it, like oh, the, the, maybe the boy doesn't want to play with the toys anymore. He's turning a little more into his dad. He's not being as adventurous as his sister is with how she plays with them, and she just really wants to be connected to her brother. But I, I at the same time, it's like we're, this movie's coming out in two thousand nineteen. And it makes sense that like in the mid '90s, like kids are going to have toys that they're just going they're going to be detached from in 2009. But here, I just kept thinking about like, man, are these kids going to really be that invested in how each of them play with Legos? I'm just thinking about the fact that it's like 2019. It's like these kids got to be like staring at screens half the time too, and like yeah. iPads and like is, is, how many kids? Like, I guess I'm not the best to talk about this. I don't have kids, but I just know like I've seen kids that age though these in recent years and it's like man like most parents just like give their kid an ipad and ignore them you know what i mean yeah. and good for good for you if you have your kids like invested in playing with other toys which are probably uh better for the mind in certain ways but i was like man i, I don't really know like do little brothers and big 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 brothers and little sisters like have fights over stuff like this it, it, the, the thing with the dad seemed to like hit home a little more to me in the last movie than this just this story did in general yeah and in the first lego movie as well um especially on the rewatch it's so fresh in my mind the style of play between the father and the son was just such a divide, you know, cause his was like, follow the instructions, mm-hmm. keep it like, keep everything built once it's built. And his was like the whole concept of master building and like, uh, just taking pieces from the environment around them and building things. And then this one, it's just like, Oh, well, sorry. It's my dog with a squeaky toy there. Um, she has some thoughts. Yeah. So with this one, it was the brother and the sister. They both have pretty manic playing styles. I mean, like, unikitty and uh queen whatever wannabe like both kind of have a similar aesthetic to them you know where they're kind of shape-shifting and you know kind of crazy and manic and everything and have the whole uh happy kind of uh creepy slash cute aesthetic so yeah and and also in that first one like it like i said it paralleled what was going on in the movie like really well whereas like emmett's like this guy that's like just super uh like just like a, like a cog in a machine or just like a, a like a he's just fits into that world just like a like he's in a sardine can and he's doesn't lacks any originality and is very unimaginative and he's having to learn how to become a builder and wild sal is trying to teach him that and it, you kind of just see like he's like learning to kind of exercise that side of his mind and at the same time there's lord business coming in and it's just kind of almost a sign of I don't know. I want to say lost innocence, but just a, a different one. A, someone that has different priorities and someone that's more concerned with things like business and economics. Things that uh, naive children that can just always be in their imagination aren't really talking about, and that really paralleled the kid and his dad really well. Here, it, it's very literal what's going on in the Lego world versus the real world, where she just really wants to play with her brother, and ultimately you kind of find out that what when Abby's kind of group just wants to like kind of become more one of the same with them and they've been misunderstanding them for a while but like i don't know i, I mean i just it, it just didn't feel like as powerful or interesting of a story that being said i don't know some of the stuff i did enjoy in the movie though was maybe the stuff that was going on with our individual characters on more of a micro level the way it actually like really allowed wild style to like to be a little more developed i mean she was awesome in the first movie as like a kick-ass per, like action figure but like 
she got to like actually like look inward a little more here, whether it be just being the person she was before or just kind of realizing like, hey, I kicked a lot of ass that like the man got credit for. And I, I enjoyed that stuff and how it kind of interrogated that side of the first movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree with that um, because it's just definitely the character stuff because, I mean, I know we'll get into the Chris Pratt thing here in a minute because mm-hmm. that's <laughs> one thing that I really did particularly enjoy about it. But yeah, just um, I agree with what you were saying and that kind of the real world Lego world divide wasn't as strong or um, as the first time around, which I mean, admittedly was hard to accomplish, you know, I mean, cause it was kind of one of the things I was curious about what they would do going to this one was now that we've, cause it was, it's such a reveal in the first one to like mm-hmm. see the human characters. And it's such a great moment and uh, a moment of brilliance on their part. And then just see like, okay, now that we have this rule and they can't really hide the ball on that anymore, how are they going to, adapt that for yeah. this time around so. yeah i don't even know if i needed the kids like i get it like what's happening in their world is just kind of a um is a manifestation of what's going on up top but like i mean i mean they and i guess it would have almost been a little more maybe i'm and but I, it might be hypocritical of me to say this because i just made these complaints about it being like too much like toy story but it's like if it had just been about like the mom like taking them away and them being worried about it and that, that that would have been fine for me. I mean, I and I, I just I, it felt like it was like having to do a lot of work to like kind of keep up with that part of it. And yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I but I, you know, I, I don't know. I just thought there's a I don't know. It, it, it was just a, maybe a better way they could have done it. And I, it kind of like presumed that we like knew those kids maybe a little better than we did. Not that those kids are bad actors. Like the, the boy was fine. I mean, Brooklyn Prince obviously like really good actress from the Florida project. So like, it wasn't like those scenes were like hard to watch or anything like that. It was just like, I, I kind of just wanted to get back to the Lego world and see a little bit more of what was going on there whenever we were hanging out with them. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, but like, like I said, I, I liked the, I liked what was going on with wild style. Like it didn't feel like we really got to know really any of the characters super well besides Emmett in the first one, maybe, maybe like a Lord business a little bit. Uh, you can speak to that a little more than I can because it's been a lot longer since I watched the first one. But it did at least like a- as ridiculous as the scenes with uh, Wanabi and Batman were. Like we already know Batman a little better now from the Batman movie anyway. So uh, I guess it just feels like you know him better. And I mean, and, th- and then you and then you have this stuff. You have this stuff with Emmett, and it's like it makes. It, I mean, it, all the stuff that's going on with him throughout the movie, and just him being a little worried about what Wild Style thinks of him. Like I think I think it all kind of like makes sense, and it's like of a piece with what we know about that character and how he his outlook on things and how he maybe would react to her like initially kind of like rebuffing the life that he like sets out for them to have together. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we can go ahead and talk about the Chris Pratt stuff now because I don't really think I don't need to walk us through the plot too much until like until like what really kicks off with like what happens when he actually does first get in Rex Danger Vest like plane because like what the hell even really happened up until then you know like we were already talking about with like uh, like w- with apocalypseburg like i mean i really don't even know i mean like if, if they like they said they came down and stole him and he kind of gets separated and he's helped by rex danger vest and i mean ha- how quickly did you realize though what they were doing with those with those couple of characters well i knew coming in that uh chris pratt was playing the other character oh I, I didn't even know that other character was going to be a thing yeah i um I unfortunately saw it like on social media, like I guess a couple of days or like, Oh, like how did Chris Pratt feel about playing two characters? And I'm like, Oh, okay. That seems like something you would not talk about on the press tour or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah. So I kind of knew coming in that that was going to happen. And, uh, so I was kind of prepared for it, but what's kind um, of interesting about is that they, uh, you know, he was cast in the first one before he'd even, 
it might, it might, it, I don't know if it was before he was casting Guardians, but it was before anyone had seen Guardians, uh, and before, mm-hmm. definitely probably before everyone knew he was going to be in a Jurassic World movie. So he really was just like he really was just like Andy Dwyer yeah. when he was in the yeah. first movie, you know. And so it's kind of funny they were able to like, th- but at that point they probably never even knew that this was going to be the direction they would take this movie in. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of cool, you know. I mean. Maybe in certain ways, like some people might just criticize uh, Lord Miller for like falling back on the meta stuff too much. But like in other instances, like maybe the best way to do it if you want to keep doing that kind of thing is to just like totally lean into it and like really just be like really self aware with like what's been a very interesting career that he's had. And I mean, I enjoy just like thinking about it. I mean, it's kind of weird in that it like I, I I can't disagree with other people that think that like hey maybe we like like Chris Pratt better from 2009 to 2014 than we've liked him from 2014 to now because like i think everyone really liked him in the first guardians the second guardians he didn't get to be quite as goofy and he's obviously like very straight laced trying to fit him into this like harrison ford type mold in the jurassic park movies which a lot of people don't like they don't think it really is what he does best so it's kind of weird that this movie in a way is like almost saying like yeah emmett's is better than like this version than rex and maybe hey is that better chris, version of chris pratt better than this one i don't know i don't, chris pratt would probably disagree with that assertion but it's it's, it's just kind of funny to think about and like and it's just like an interesting uh plot device that like really like is fun for us to think about and something that like the kids can just take at face value yeah you know i was reading this uh piece in the ringer um about this uh, by Miles Surrey. Yeah, I just yeah, I just looked at the name, and um, he was kind of he had this kind of theory that it was almost like um, that Lord and Miller had kind of looked at um, were kind of commenting on blockbusters as a whole out of the last like five or ten years, where like all these heroes, a lot of them Chris Pratt is playing, are like these really like dark and broody type, dark and broody types, where they're just like very like caught in these pessimistic worlds and they're like very uh tortured pasts and like don't talk to me or don't touch anybody and then like you know and like almost fighting back against that um that characterization like this movie was like almost a message that like hey you know like kids should maybe aspire to be more like emmett than more like rex danger you know you should just be lovable and sweet rather than <laughs> or just be or just be yourself which is like a nice message for a movie to have i mean it's simpler and i mean it, it's not maybe not quite as like hard to explain or quite as quite as long of a log line or uh, uh distillation of the point of like the first movie where we're talking all this stuff about like imagination and growing up and all that and here i mean it's just like hey you can just be like the you can be like yourself even if it's not what you think the typical like uh alpha male should be like and that's fine which is interesting and i and, and i like that and chris pratt could do whatever he wants and i like but i still <laughs> like him to like be funny too uh at the same time and uh, not that Emmett's like totally like funny either. He's just like kind of he's just very nice, which is fine. And uh, <laughs> Wild Style comes to appreciate that. But I mean, what 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 did you think about like what they, what they what they also did with Wild Style kind of in conjunction with that? Because she like does get like a much more full arc than she does in the first movie. Yeah, no, I, I appreciated that she kind of got to stretch because um, like you know one of the big things in the first movie is like she's like this incredible like hero and like does all this awesome stuff and she really wants to be the special and she doesn't get to be the special. And so, uh, you know, having, giving her more of an arc here really felt like, um, almost like rectified that a bit, you know, it gave her not only like her own, like kind of self actualization, but also like, you know, she got to see her wish fulfillment in, uh, Emmett and then <laughs> decided that she didn't even want that, you know, and 
you know, her just kind of figuring out her whole deal. Like I thought that was great, you know? And, um, yeah, you know, Elizabeth Banks did a good job with it. And she doesn't really do a lot of voice acting, which, um, so it's nice to kind of hear her do that and perform well, and you know, maybe Disney or Pixar is listening and they can bring her in. So. <laughs> yeah, no, and uh, no, so I, I totally uh, enjoyed her as well. And I, I don't know, I think, I think it's just kind of cool where it's like, I mean, you know, like maybe a lot of, and I don't know how much it's like, we're only really seeing those two kids play with each other and argue about the Lego toys and how they're going to use them, which like we already talked about is like kind of weird and stuff, but it is kind of nice that like, it's like telling her she's, she's a, it's, it's okay to like tap into your more feminine side. There might be like a, some points where like girls are growing up and stuff where they might just like, I don't know, feel like, Hey, I, I need to like be like one of the boys and like just to fit in with any certain kind of group they might be around. But it's like, just like again it's like just saying like hey these people are are fine the way they are it's okay uh one thing i meant to mention before though uh, just if we're going to talk about just another character arc in this movie and it's not even so much an arc it's just like we're getting a laugh at him is what they do with batman because yeah. i think they're they use him in a way like you were talking about how like just they might be commenting on other movie like blockbusters and how a lot of them might be dark and brooding and serious which is kind of the purpose that batman served in the first movie it was like just making fun of what batman had been to that point in movies and how uh mm-hmm. you know he was just like so serious and I, I that was like the part i laughed at the most in the first one at least my whole theater laughed at because Le- the first lego movie was like one of my most amazing theater going experiences ever as far as just being a packed theater and everyone on the same page and laughing at all the right stuff and just having him like will arnett's batman in that movie uh right there along with like all these other people who are very positive and happy for the most part and wild style might not be like the most cheery person but she's like still like very like upbeat and like let's go do some shit whereas batman's just like stoic and and that that, that, that's just like hilarious and like he and then then we got the i I still really liked like a batman movie but at the same time like i i I just like that character even more when he's amongst all these cheery people and so he so here i mean it's kind of like they want they had to give him even more to do than they did in the first one because it's like we just made like a several hundred million dollars last year on a movie two years ago in a movie he was in yeah. Uh, but like he's off doing like his own thing with like uh Wanabi a lot and like it is funny like just kind of watching him get interrogated about what he wants out of life which I which I particularly enjoyed I mean what did you think of just like the whole thing with Wanabi and how we kind of like are not really sure what her motivations are and then it just kind of turns out that like oh like yeah they can live happily ever after which I mean I think I laughed at enough individual points of that. I like the song that Tiffany Haddish sang. I wanted to talk about the songs before we wrap up too. But like, uh, did you have any thoughts just about like how they utilize Batman a little separately from the rest of the cast, but then kind of bring the that whole entire plot with Wanabi full circle? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like the whole the whole premise of like the Lego Batman movie is like getting him to rely on other people and uh getting him to like accept friendships and mm-hmm. be friends with people. And then like at the beginning of this, he's like yeah, like I learned a bunch of stuff about friendship, but uh, yeah, that's for losers. Or so he said something along those lines. And like, you know, uh, I thought it was just interesting here how they kind of give him almost uh, like they give him like the something whole- like a marriage. It's like the next step, you know, because like friendships, you know, you can be mm-hmm. friends with someone without like the messy stuff without the full on commitment of a marriage. And so, I mean, it was a natural progression for him. And I just thought it was funny, like especially like one of my favorite parts in the movie is where um whatever wannabe is just uh negging him so hard mm-hmm. you know he's like she's like oh no like i you know i don't i don't know if i want to be with you and then he's like wait a second like so, <laughs> i'm awesome yeah, of course you want to be with me yeah now i want to be with you um no yeah. 
that that was definitely really funny. I mean, I I don't have I really don't have a ton of thoughts about the what uh, be character. I mean, it was kind of weird how it's like they they ma- they made you think she was evil and then all of a sudden she's not. So it may be really hard to get a read on that character. But like you said, I still liked the interactions with Batman nonetheless. You know? Yeah, because. Um, his big thing is he just wants to, he just wants to belong, you know, and like to see him like fight so hard against it, you know? And I mean, you know, and it kind of nicely, uh, it nicely parallels the whole, uh, the whole brother and sister thing too. You know I mean? The brother is just such a loner and so angry about his sister, you know, taking his Legos and, you know, trying to play with his Legos and Batman, you know, just wants to be on it. Like wants to be on his own, wants to be cooler than everybody else wants to be the big protector. And, you know, committing at the end you know so. yeah do you, what, what, what did you think about the music in this i mean everything is awesome got nominated for an oscar in the first one it's still one like one of the most amazing things ever that that song got performed on stage at the oscars yeah. I, I watched it the other day and it was like still like super surreal like i almost liked i almost liked it more just for the fact that it happened than i actually liked the live performance of it uh but yeah. it's like it, it's still like a really fun song and really great here, I mean, like they 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 kind of like lean even more into that because like obviously everything's awesome is a very catchy song, so they literally just like have a song in this movie that is supposed to be like the main earworm from the movie about oh this song is gonna get stuck inside your head, uh, or, or I mean is that is that actually the name? Oh, it's called catchy song. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so. I actually like. I mean, the th- the funny thing is, is that like the 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 best song I think in this movie is the one that plays during the credits. You know, it's super cool. Yeah, the credits uh, song. Is- where I mean, I mean, it's Beck and Rob featuring Robin in the Lonely Island, and Beck and Robin are just talking about in general, like stuff being super cool, stuff being awesome, and and then and, like the Lonely Island just like rapping about credits and it's it's hilarious i mean i don't but like i mean at the same time i did enjoy the the gotham city guys song that tiffany haddish sang uh mm-hmm. like i thought that was fun uh did you did you just have any takeaways from the soundtrack because i didn't I, I just didn't think like i mean I, 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 they, they end up talking about everything is awesome in this because that's part of wild style's background but i mean i just the way they utilized it in the first movie where it was just what everyone woke up to and everyone sang and it played right into the theme of emmett not having much of an imagination like i just thought that was like integrated into the plot and that was really interesting in the first one and they didn't so much do that with catchy song it just more felt like they were kind of checking off a box and like they were kind of acknowledging that by naming it catchy song and it's like we have to have a catchy song in it so it's not like they were totally unaware of it but i still think i liked everything is awesome uh more than anything anything except maybe the credit song but again it's a credit song like how much credit should a movie get for a credit song yeah the the songs, especially Tiffany Haddish's, were a little jarring because it was just like, oh, like, because I feel like when you, especially after watching the first one, it's like you kind of enter, you kind of enter like a contract with the movie mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, like I know generally what I'm going to expect from you in terms of like tone and like what's going on here. And then so like, so it was a big risk, you know, for them to kind of just stop the movie for a song number because it's very kind of, I mean, I know a lot of animated movies have songs like that's just sort of the deal, yeah. you know, still like, um, I was just like, Oh, okay. They're going to do this. Um, that said, like Tiffany Haddish was brilliant. Like, um, the song about her not being evil and then having, finding out later it was actually earnest. It was actually hysterical. Like, because <laughs> <laughs> she just, I mean, I forget some of the words she mixes up where, um, gosh, they're really funny, but you know, like I, I liked them. They they kind of serve they serve their purpose in the story. They're funny. I actually think like on a lyric 
on a lyrical basis, I liked them better than everything is awesome because it's just more blatantly like ridiculous. I'm, I, I guess I'm speaking specifically about the Haddish songs more. Yeah. Than yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Probably better written songs, even if they're not like the ones that are going to get stuck inside your head as much. And then they had the <laughs> everything is not awesome song, which I, I it was funny today. I saw, I saw Alita battle angel. Uh, yeah, I really saw that movie. It's for an upcoming podcast, professional obligations. Don't judge me too hard, <laughs> but I, but like I, as I was walking out of the theater, like I had to walk past, like, uh, uh a, a, a Lego movie, th- a, a, a screen that was showing Lego movies. So I walked in, and it was right at when they were singing "Everything Is Not Awesome." And I was like, "Wow, this is like actually more creative than I recalled." Because like they kind of did it to the same tune, but they slowed it down. But they had like had, and then they sped it up. But they had like funny lyrics where there's like they were like singing really fast about like not being too idealistic and stuff like that. And it actually like it's pretty funny how they like re- reworked that song in that way. And I I appreciated it. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. It was a great reprise. It was like it's like you know you got to bring it back in some way because it was just so. I mean, and when the Lego Movie came out and really gripped everybody, that was like one of the big things, you know. And like it was the it was the country's look at the Lego Movie when it was performed at the Oscars, like you talked about. So, like, uh, yeah, they had to bring it back in some way, and I'm glad that like we got it in that fashion where it was like a really big part of the movie and they changed it, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas they could have easily just played like a Mad Max style of everything is awesome in apocalypse bargain and been <laughs> like yeah. there was a, there was a much lazier way to do it. So actually I appreciated how, how creatively they did that and they flipped it, you know, and it's like, Oh wow. Yeah. Like, you know, this, this poppy corporate jingle from the first one, we've actually like given it some pathos here, like within the story world, you know? <laughs> Like I was complaining about maybe some of the stuff, not like like the catchy song thing, not fitting into the plot as well. But like that that they 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 did utilize everything is not awesome like similarly uh, well. I mean that obviously taps into everything is awesome, but yeah, they they definitely deserve uh, some credit for that as well. Yeah, man, I don't really have a whole lot more on this. I I I'll just say that like I I definitely recommend going to see it, but just like just I wouldn't expect anything like quite on the level of um, the original Lego Movie. But that's no, there's no shame in that. I, I I mean, some people enjoyed Lego Batman more, and like I can't I can't begrudge anyone for that. Uh, I don't know if you saw Lego Ninjago movie. Like I wish they just hadn't done that. And this is certainly like a step above that for sure. And uh, it definitely has enough going for it that it's like worth it. I think part of it also, like you, you kind of mentioned earlier, is like no one really knew what to expect with Lego movie with with even obviously with respect to that live action scene. But it was just like such a surprise. And that we got that kind of movie when you might have known Lord and Miller's sensibilities, but just like for them to pull it off like that was pretty great. And it doesn't have that same element of a pleasant surprise here, but like you still get enough of their, uh, still get enough of the kind of thing that like they do well that it's definitely worth going to. And you'll hear a few catchy songs, if nothing else. And we're still in the midst of like maybe another slow, like six weeks or so of movies. There's a handful of stuff coming out in the next six weeks, but this is definitely one that's uh, worth making time for. Uh, Joe, do you have any other final thoughts on it? Yeah, I guess I'll just say, like, you know, despite despite whatever smaller issues I have with it, it is, like, an incredibly uh, intelligent and funny animated movie, and it certainly is smarter and more entertaining than some of the more recent stuff. Like, um, overall, last year, I wasn't crazy about the animated movies outside of uh, Spider-Verse and um, Incredibles 2, to an extent. So, I mean, it's an enjoyable time. If you like the first one, you're definitely going to like this one. Um, if you, for some reason, haven't seen Lego Movie and have listened to all this, uh, <laughs> see the first Lego Movie before yeah, you definitely, go. Yeah, definitely go to it first. I think it, it probably helps to I, yeah. I see it right right beforehand, too, um, or in close conjunction with this one, because I, I just hadn't. I didn't have the time to. But, uh, but yeah, uh, Joe, before we sign off, do you have anything you want to plug? 
uh, you know, baseball is about to be back. So I'm excited about that. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. So <laughs> if you want to get Joe's baseball thoughts, you can do Joe underscore Morgan. That, that's his Twitter. That's how I was trying to get in the plug. Cause I mean, I mean, oh, yeah, of course. You're, you're not, you're not, so, you're not just a shill for the MLB. Like you got to get these follows or something, Joe. I mean, come on. Yeah, exactly. You're just, tell, you're just you, telling if, people to watch baseball when I tell you to plug something like you, you don't, you, <laughs> you don't work, you don't work for Fox, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I, I'm at Josh Chernovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y on Twitter and letterbox. And I'll just say like, I mean, you'll probably see some baseball thoughts from me, especially the Phillies hurry up and sign Bryce Harper. We're all waiting for that. There's a bunch of more smoke today. We're recording this on uh, the Sunday before they sign him, hopefully, whenever that might be. So I don't know. We'll see. But my, 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 my timeline might have more baseball on it than it has in like the last six years since the Phillies have been trash now that they've like revamped their whole roster and might be adding Bryce Harper. So uh, look forward to that as well as all my other movie thoughts. But uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, coming up next, you'll probably have a my, hear, my, hear our awards podcast and top 10 podcast. But the next real movie after that, you'll probably hear me talking about on here is uh, Happy Death Day to You and Alita Battle Angels. So look forward to all that. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.